All right, go ahead and have a seat. Uh, let's, let's just pray. Uh, Lord, thank you. Thank you that we can come before you. Thank you that we can trust you. God, I pray that whatever uh, is just uh, sitting on our hearts or our shoulders or, or whatever things that we're feeling, that we would know that we can trust in your name, that we could know that we can trust you, that we would know that you love us and that you care about us. And so, God, I just pray that you would just allow us just to be able to sit at your feet. And, and come before you this morning. God, we pray these things in your awesome name. Amen. Hey, my name's Troy Heller, pastor of Family Ministries, right here where you are. And uh, I guess before we get going, I wanted to give a shout out to those of you that are tuning in live uh, from the Good Life Habsy. You're probably somewhere, I'm not sure which mile marker you're at right now. I just need you to drop the shoulders, relax them a little bit. The face that's looking like this, Just turn it into a smile and be joy-filled. Pump your arms and stride out. You're going to be just fine. All right? Okay. And for the rest of us, you guys, I'm so glad that you're here today. I absolutely love this place. I love uh, being able to see each of you as you come in. And I wanted to take just a a little bit of the start of of this message uh, just to be able to give you some updates because there's always questions. People are always asking uh, so, so where are we in this, uh, in this pastor search and, and all those things? And uh, so it was, it was four weeks ago today that we had maybe the most awesome day ever uh, as New Cub when we got to celebrate uh, the Dr. Tim Johnson. Uh, and you guys, what a great joy that was to be uh, a part of that. And, and so we are, uh, we're meeting, the staff and the governing board are meeting again this week. We're kind of sorting through like, uh, what those next steps are if we're doing a, if we're going to use a search firm or or what exactly we're going to what steps we're going to go through but but just know just keep praying just keep praying for us I think as a staff uh, I need all the rest of the staff just to be quiet for just a second but <laughs> as a staff we're doing really good we're really communicating well no I'm just actually we are we are doing we're being very intentional about making sure that we communicate well uh, that we're showing love to one another and uh, uh, and all those things, and really just trying to continue to be united in the same way that hopefully all of us are uh, as a church. So thanks for hanging in there with us. Also, I wanted to take just a moment to, uh, to roll through our teaching team. So every week you show up here and you're like, somebody just spun the wheel and they're like, which guy do we get today? Or who, who's going to be up, up front? So I wanted to introduce you uh, just to the teaching team because there's also some similarities in names around here. So I'm just going to help people out. This is my friend, Brett with one T. So some of the things that I love about Brett is that he is, he's very creative. He's willing to ask hard questions. Uh, he's faithful and he has great depth. So this is Brett with one T. You recognize him as our worship pastor. And then we've got Brett with two T's. So I see what you did there, like little font for, for big Brett with two T's. Brett is Big Brett because he is our founding pastor. And what I absolutely love about Brett with two T's is that he is always willing to help whenever we ask. Absolutely, whenever we ask for anything. And then Brett brings such gentleness and humility to everything that he does. So as a founding pastor, it might be easy to to go like, you know, to kind of hone in on things and, and say, Troy, I really don't think that you should have worn that shirt today. Maybe you should, I mean, 
So, but he is so humble and gentle, and we're super thankful for him being a part of our teaching team. And then we have Brent. <laughs> this is the easiest laughter I've ever gotten. <laughs> you guys are just fantastic. So this is Brent. Uh, things that I love about Brent is that he is also gentle and humble, and he brings great depth. And if you ever sit with Brent, uh, for a moment, you're like, oh my gosh, this guy understands what it is to have a relationship with Jesus, and he understands how to help, help that to play out authentically uh, within your life. And so, so I'm very excited that we get to hear from Brent as well. And then we have, maybe, do we have one more? This is Steve. Always good to have a Steve on your team. We haven't gotten to hear from Steve yet. Um, but Steve is a guy that asks questions that I didn't even know that I had. And then I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, I need to know this information. And so we'll get to hear from Steve again, or Steve coming up this next month. Uh, and Steve is, is uh, uh, we're thankful to have him as a part of, of our team as well. So, um, uh, so, so those, are, those are the folks that are on our teaching team. Uh, if you guys, uh, if you're continuing to pray for who our new pastor might be, uh, I kind of feel like maybe we should be shooting for a Brant. Uh, something along those lines, I think would be really good around here. So, so as I start looking through applications and such, I can kind of weed those out pretty quickly. Man, I like you guys. Look at you. Hey, while we're at it and while we're on this roll... Uh, we are so excited to be able to continue on as a church and as a church body. And so with that, I will say that on the seat backs uh, in front of you, there are the connect uh, QR codes there that if you would scan or else there might even be some hard copies now that we can use. But certainly there are these hard copies for prayer requests. And we still, even without Dr. Tim Johnson, uh, we still like to pray for you. And so please do submit those prayer requests so that we can keep praying and then also, uh, just make sure that you keep giving because we are going to continue moving forward as a church body. We're going to continue reaching out and, uh, and reaching out to those around us uh, in our particular sphere and then the world around. So, so thanks for taking time to do that. All right, so here we go. Uh, today, we get to continue this series uh, that, we're, that we're working on through Philippians, and we're finding joy uh, in Philippians uh, there's many things that we, can, uh, that we can look toward to be able to bring us joy. And, and some of those things are fulfilling for a time. Things like holidays, relationships, uh, taking trips. Maybe for some of you guys, semester completion uh, seems to bring some joy. In fact, just last week, uh, I was watching a football game uh, late at night, and, and the commercials came on for the NFL, and I was like, ah, oh, it'd be really nice uh, to to just stay home on a Sunday morning and, you know, start watching some of the NFL pregame hype and, and kind of get myself set up for some matchups and just be able to hang out and do all that. And, uh, and then I realized uh, I'm a Lions fan, and, uh, and that's, that's really not going to bring me a whole lot of joy. However, we did just lock up our punter uh, for a long time, long-term contract. Uh, but the thing is, when I weigh those things, I don't know what it is that tricks me into those things, but when I show up here, you guys, and I get to interact with each one of you, it is so encouraging and so joy-filling. 
that it also points me to be able to, uh, to want to continue and to want to move forward in my own relationship with Jesus. And so I am thankful for you. I am thankful for this church. Uh, Paul knew what would bring us joy and that it would involve every person that trusts Jesus. When we read this, I'm going to read part of a passage, and when I read this next passage, I want you to know that it's not Paul saying, oh, hey, by the way, if you want to really make me happy, uh, you might, might give these things a try. Uh, when we look at this in the, in the original language, it's actually a command. So this is Philippians chapter 2, so if you want to open that up in your Bibles or on your uh, phone, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, If therefore there is any encouragement in Christ... If there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Paul's continuing where he began in in, uh, chapter 1. He's looking at what it looks like to, to have conduct worthy of the gospel. In other words, living in such a way that our message has credibility that we're living like we really believe what we say we believe. Coming together in unity because everyone who trusts Jesus as their Savior has a common spirit, the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we ought to do whatever is necessary to be unified as a people of God. It means to have the mind of Christ that his purpose is our purpose. It means to stay on the front line, to suffer for his sake. Having the same mind, one purpose doesn't mean that we agree on everything. Paul's calling us to find unity in Christ. The message of the gospel is what we need to lean into. So the opening verse, uh, it it offers some rhetorical if clauses. That in the Greek, it actually means since. Since this is true among you who believe. So here's how uh, how the, the passage would actually read. It would read, Since there is encouragement in Christ, and since there is consolation of love, and since there is fellowship of the Spirit, affection, compassion, then make my joy complete by. And let's look at what these things mean. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, the word encouragement means to come alongside. In other words, if Christ has called us to come alongside him and to learn from him and to represent him to the world and to those... uh, and those of us who have trusted Jesus would say, yeah, yeah, he's kind of asked me to do that. If there's any consolation or comfort from his love, meaning have you experienced the love of Christ? If there's any fellowship of the Spirit, meaning share in common the same Holy Spirit living in each one of us. If there's any affection or compassion, affection is the emotion, compassion is the action. So in one word, we might be able to say caring. If anyone cares, then, on to verse 2, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. If it's true that Christ has brought us alongside and said, this is what it means to follow me, if we've experienced his love, been united in his spirit, then we need to be intent on one purpose or to have the same mind. So what is that one purpose or what is that same mind that we would have? Well, Jesus left some pretty clear direction about what's most important. And I think it becomes secondary to you and I as we start to put our own needs uh, or our own things 
uh, first for ourselves. And Paul's, uh, Paul's going to give us some real how-tos or some next steps. So as we read on uh, in how we can choose joy. Before I get into these, this next verse, though, I think that this was really interesting, the way that this played out for me to be able to speak today, because uh, Susan and I actually chose this passage uh, for our wedding. In fact, engraved on the inside of our wedding rings, uh, we had engraved Philippians 2.2. And I would love to be able to show you that. Uh, You'll just have to take my word for it, because it turns out, in my arrogance, uh, I no longer have my ring. I... uh, after we took a proper honeymoon, I thought it was important that uh, Sue's get to experience what I called like bachelor travel, uh, which involved, you know, just camping uh, in various random places. And so after our first night somewhere in Wisconsin, on, we got up on a football field and we got out of the small little backpacking tent and were greeted by the groundskeepers. That was the last time that we were doing the renegade camping stuff. So our next night, uh, we were... Uh, We were actually in a state park on the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, the very northern tip of Lake Michigan, camping right out on the sand, you guys. It was marvelous. But it was new enough. We were like a month in, and and I needed to wash my hands after cooking, so I took my ring off, and I placed it. I remember this like it was yesterday. I placed it ever so gently on top of my jacket, which was on the hood of the car, my minivan, by the way. And, uh, And then I went to the back, and I washed my hands, and then I was like, oh, man, it's cold. And then I grabbed my jacket like that, and I put it on, and then I was like, we were standing in the sand. And so one day I'm going to go back with one of those little metal finders. Pretty sure I'm going to find it. Uh, so, uh, so I can't exactly prove to you that it was engraved, but I'm super excited for these new silicone, band, silicone bands that people are wearing, and they look really cool. Uh, anyway, so, uh, so let's move on, shall we? Verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Boy, was I glad for this part of the passage after I left my wedding ring in the sand. Uh, do nothing from selfishness. The word selfishness or selfish ambition, it's a political word. It means to canvas for votes, uh, which is really us trying to convince people that we're special, that we're good, that we're successful, that we have value, that we have worth. Empty conceit is trying to generate conceit that really doesn't work. Have you ever been around those folks that uh, are trying really hard to make sure that you know that they're really awesome? And then, and then you leave and you're like, oh, yeah, that just didn't feel great. Uh, so some of us, some of us are maybe more subtle even. I would, I would classify myself as, as more subtle, but also still important for people to know uh, the value that I have. And we really want to convince people uh, how awesome we are. So selfishness and empty conceit are inconsistent with the message of the gospel, the good news that we claim. Christianity is all about realizing that we cannot be good enough for God. What sets it apart is that God made a way for us to have a relationship with him. At some point in our lives, in order to experience salvation, you and I had to come to a conclusion that we're not good enough. There's nothing we can do to merit favor with God. 
we came to God in a moment of brokenness and we said, God, I can't do it. All I can do in my brokenness is reach out and receive this gift of grace. That's at the very core of what we believe. Our salvation and our Christian life is really in brokenness saying, I can't do it. It's God that is doing in me what I cannot do in myself. So, to believe that and to proclaim that, and then turn around at the same time and be guilty of selfish ambition is to be a hypocrite. Uh, We come before God and we say, I'm nothing, I need you, and then we turn around and we say, man, I'm really amazing. (laughs) Try to convince people of that. Uh, Those two messages, they don't line up. Selfish ambition is inconsistent with the message of grace. The idea that I'm going to compare myself to you, and that's the basis by which I prove that I have value, that I have worth, that doesn't line up with the gospel. What Paul is pitching is that we make our joy complete as a way to make our joy complete is contrary to the culture then, and I would say it's very contrary to the way that we live now. He says, But with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. See, humility in the first century, it wasn't a virtue. The Greeks considered humility to be a weakness. To be clear, humility is not thinking poorly of yourself. I'm not being humble to tell you what a loser I am uh, for misplacing my wedding ring. Humility is thinking about and valuing others. In fact, there's true health value in you and I learning to take our eyes off of ourselves and to set it on others and to be able to look out for their interests. It means becoming a person that when you walk in a room, you walk in and you say, there you are, instead of walking in the room and going, Here I am, people! Uh, One of the things that stuck out to me, I I confessed a a few, a week, couple months back, uh, that I've read a few biographies on uh, Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, and one of the things that stuck out to me was uh, an interaction that he had with, uh, with a child who was sick in the hospital. And he went to see this, uh, this kid, and he goes in, and they kind of share pleasantries, and, and it, was, uh, it was like a dream come true for this kid. And then as it's time to leave, Fred Rogers goes up to the kid, and he just he whispers in his ear. And so then everybody, as they walk out and they leave, they ask, well, what did you say to him? And you guys, this is like the coolest thing. He said, I figure that in his position, he's got to be really close to God. And so I asked him to pray for me. And so here's, here's Fred Rogers giving this kid an opportunity to take his eyes off of himself and his own situation and to be able to, to pray for Fred. We can do that for one another. Uh, and I, just, I thought that that was just a, a really cool story and something that, that stuck with me. So this is a completely different way to live life. It's life-changing and joy-bringing. It's consistent with the message of grace that we proclaim and that we received. The gospel sets you and I up to know the outcome of our life. So as a teacher, I think a similar example, and one that I would have always loved to try, actually, and have it play out nicely, would be for for all the students that were concerned about their grades, 
just to be able to say, hey, don't worry about your grade. Which one do you want? Which grade do you want? Okay, you can have that one. Now let's just learn. Let's just do this, okay? Well, <laughs> I might have tried, and I don't know that it worked exactly, but, <laughs> but the idea is real nice. But when we trust God, when we trust Jesus, we have nothing to prove. We're free to live life focused on others because of Jesus. You are good enough. Speaking of the classroom, when I was teaching, the syllabus that I would hand out, uh, I'd always kind of try to weave some things in there to, to be smooth sometimes. And, and this one I'm, I'm pretty proud of, you know, a little selfish ambition right here and uh, uh, conceit. But uh, honestly, in the, in the syllabus that I would hand out, I would just say that my goal is to be the second greatest teacher to ever walk the earth. And so, so kids would read that, and I'd be like, oh, you read that? Uh, and, uh, and they would read that, and they would go, why, why would you want to be the second best? So that was the first thing. And then the next thing was, well, well, who's the best? And so automatically it prompts an opportunity for, uh, for some discussion. Well, Paul does the same. He points toward Jesus as the greatest teacher the one we can emulate as we seek to put others ahead of ourselves. So verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here the word yourselves tells us that this attitude of humility and putting others first should characterize Christians as a whole. The next passage, verses 6 through 8, the text is formatted a little bit differently. So it might be pointing to the fact that maybe this is a poem or some saying that was familiar to uh, to the folks in Philippi. So it says, Be like Jesus who, although existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross." Our ability to live a joy-filled, unified life has to come out of something that is unchanging. So there's many things that, uh, that can bring us joy for a time and then they fade. Maybe it's a victory, a performance, a new purchase, an investment, a meal. For us to be like Paul, who is imitating Jesus, our ability to be unified, intent on one purpose, must come from Jesus, who is unchanging. I heard someone explain once that his work, the gospel, is spelled done. D-O-N-E. There's nothing left that we have to do. Not do, which is religion. So here's what we learn about Jesus, who is a source of our joy. In verse 6, he said, although he existed. So here we recognize that Jesus was in eternity with God. It's hard for us to grasp uh, that he left eternity, a place fit for God, to come to earth where sin reigns. He did not regard equality with God. It's a statement of his deity, Jesus and God as one, a thing to be grasped. The word grasp is, uh, means to be exploited for his own benefit. Rather than exploiting that, grasping it, he emptied himself. He laid aside the independent use of his attributes to go from eternity to time and space he didn't cease to be God, but he chose not to access those attributes. To do what? Taking on the form of a bondservant. He came to do the work for us. Being made in the likeness of God, 
He took on temptation, sorrow, joy, betrayal. He felt and experienced everything that you and I experience, all while knowing fully the life that God has for us. And then verse 8, And being found in the appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The reason Paul says even death on the cross is because in the first century we know that the cross was reserved for only the worst of the worst. You and I could read this and we could allow guilt to be our motivator. Uh, we, could, we could maybe ask or think that we, if we live like Jesus because of all that he endured and all that he did for us, I believe that might work for a time. And I think the motivation is supposed to come out of the overflow of our understanding, our place before God, and what he's done to make a way for us. This in itself should be humbling. So let's finish with verses 9 through 11. Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, of God the Father. So this passage, you guys, this passage should free you and I to live like we've already won. God himself will do this. You and I are commanded by Paul to make his joy complete. He will bend every knee We don't need to do that for him. If you and I believe in the exalted Christ, if we believe that he made that sacrifice from heaven to the cross for us, then we're we're to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of that message. You and I will find real joy when we're united about the way to life. We can and we're likely to disagree about things that are not gospel-centered. I think we've all experienced that in the last couple years, right? We're now free to live a life through a completely different grid where our lives are defined by thinking of others as more important than ourselves. Thinking of others' interests as more important than our own. Worship band, you guys can start coming back up here. So I found, I found great joy the day that, that Suze handed me this ring. Man, it was gold and shiny and beautiful. And she's, she gave it to me to wear as a sign of her love for me. And I was just glowing that day. Turns out, that ring <laughs> didn't last. But the core principle of her and I pursuing unity together, that has remained. So remember, Paul began saying, Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. That one purpose has to come out of our individual understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So that we as a group live humbly in a way that points others to the good news, to the gospel. Let me pray. God, thank you uh, just for our time today. God, I do pray that you would help us to humble ourselves, that we would give us eyes to see others, eyes to, uh, to pick them up off ourselves and, and desire to see others around us. Um, 
God, I pray that the things that we do experience joy in, that, that they would point us back to, to you and that they would uh, help us to know that, that we can trust you. And uh, God, I pray that you would help us to just to further connect with, with who you are and the work that you've done in our lives. I pray these things in your awesome name. Amen.